Welcome to Sound of Play, number 25. That is right, we are already a quarter of our way to 100. I feel like that should mean something. Well, to celebrate, we do have a very special episode today, but before we get to that, let's uh, talk about that track we heard coming into the show. That is Wild World Title, a cover of the Animal Crossing Wild World theme by Insane and Lorraine Music. A YouTube cover musician who will, not to spoil anything, talk about a little more later. And that is, of course, originally composed by the legendary Kazumi Tataka, who does a lot of work with Nintendo and uh, probably other companies. I'm not as familiar with his backlog as I probably should be, but I'm, I'm sure that you'll recognize many of his pieces if you decide to dive a little deeper into his backlog, which we will later in the show. But before that, with Sound of Play, we bring you an eclectic fortnightly compilation mix of some of our and your favorite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the years. Joining me, Ryan Heyman, and then Sound of Play 25, are Kanan Rince's Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And we have a very special guest today, somebody I'm really excited to uh, have on the show, Mr. Insane in the Rain Music himself. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> now, we heard, uh, we heard your song coming into the show, and I have to say it's a, um, a very impressive composition. I've been a fan of your channel for a, a very long time now, and um, you post fairly regularly, I think, uh, it used to be every week, but now it's kind of moving to once every couple weeks. Yeah, it used to, it used to be every week mm. in the summer, and now I'm trying to do every other week just mm -hmm. to keep things somewhat consistent. Yeah, during school and all, I know how that goes. Very methodically composed, mostly kind of jazzy mm -hmm. covers of video game music of all different, all different types and backgrounds. Would you like to talk a little bit about your channel? Sure. Um, the type of jazz I do is not necessarily traditional jazz or like swings tunes that you would hear in the 1940s. Sort of, a, it's sort of a mixture of um, different elements from different current jazz bands, which are like, like expanding the the definition of jazz. Um, essentially, mixtures of like even progressive rock, progressive metal. Hmm. Um, there's some even electronic music in there, but and it all just like melds together into something which. I guess fits under the umbrella of jazz. Um, bands like Snarky Puppy, um, I think they're called Fork, some others like Antonio Sanchez, Pat Metheny, people like that. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to emulate their styles. And especially applying this to video game music, which is itself uh, an extremely eclectic background of, of styles. It's uh, a lot of the early kind of C64 compositions have a very strong progressive rock background, as you had mentioned. And, um, you know, a lot of Nintendo stuff actually is uh, fairly heavily inspired by jazz music. A lot of the Mario tunes that we knew are kind of um, jazzy in their structure. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, really great wells to draw from. And, of course, changing the style of certain songs, songs that weren't originally composed in a jazzy style. It's really neat to hear this uh, new interpretation of it. Thank you. Well, Nintendo has been doing a lot of, um, in their recent soundtracks, including some tracks on the remixed Super Smash Bros. 4, uh, Mario Kart, mm -hmm. um, some other new games, um, have very, like, they've hired studio musicians and they've done fusion mixes and jazzy mixes of yeah, some yeah. of their classic songs. And it's, I think it's very appealing to the, um, the public because a lot of people have been liking these new soundtracks. And I love seeing the videos that they've been putting out from the uh, the studio videos from Mario Kart 8. Oh, th those are really fun. I, I've watched those very like, a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> just fascinating stuff, seeing these um, musicians who look like they're just having a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah. 
And that's one of the things that I like about uh, your channel as well, was like a smooth McGroove and a lot of the other YouTube musicians that are covering video game music, you'll often layer on multiple videos showing you performing the different parts of the song, um, you know, from your, of course, like the lead saxophone parts to the uh, something as simple as the little uh, little shaker, giving a little background <laughs> yeah. texture. And that's cool as well to kind of see everything come together. Now, how many instruments do you play in total? First off, I don't, I don't judge a person by the number of instruments they play. I judge a person <laughs> by the number of instruments they can play well. I can play, <laughs> I've played all four of the common saxophones at some point, soprano, alto tenor, mm. and baritone. Um, piano, basically any instrument that's based off a keyboard, I could probably just pick up. Um, mm. I played clarinet at one point. I can't play the flute because that's really hard. The oboe is harder than the flute. The bassoon mm. is somewhere in between the flute and the oboe. But I can also play drums a little bit. Guitar, I'm learning. And bass, I haven't started yet. But um, I'm just expanding my instrumental repertoire slowly. And it's um, I'm trying to use a bunch of different things in my newest covers. Like Especially in that Wild World, Wild World title theme you heard. I used a, a synth that I spent like a couple hours like trying to mm. make. And it was so difficult getting just like the perfect sound to make. But after a while um, of tweaking knobs, just like little centimeters and turns, um, I eventually got something that I really liked. It does have a really interesting sound, that kind of wobbly uh, triangle wave type sound. Um, it, it sounds very... and. <laughs> I hate to use this term, but I think I must here. It sounds a little video gamey, which is cool in that it it takes um, this kind of electronic sound, but it, it fuses it into this uh, very I don't know this kind of like homely, yeah, um, yeah, warm sound like you would get from an Animal Crossing title. People said it reminded them of Earthbound in a way, which makes mm, perfect sense yeah, yeah. because Earthbound's got a lot of that so the, the wobbly, wobbly synth stuff, as you said, and yeah. um, it's got that homely texture to it, which is very present in the Earthbound games, especially near the beginning. Right, right. And I noticed there was also a uh, little audio Easter egg thrown in uh, partway through there. Um, I, I'm recognizing it as another Animal Crossing song. Yeah, but I can't put my... the the, uh, the town hall theme. Yeah, there we go. It's just a, it just played. <laughs> I played it in the solo. It's a little bit a little bit faster than the original, but that is mm -hmm. that's the song I was referencing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm always uh, I always really like when uh, when you and other musicians do that, just throw in these little Easter eggs and give uh, the sharp eared listener something to, yeah. to pick up on. You know, just it kind of brings back like, oh, there's a little Mario three. I wasn't expecting that in the middle of this Mortal Kombat piece. Yeah, or whatever, it helps but... make the music relatable to the audience, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, I was yeah. reading an article earlier about how jazz is the officially the least popular genre in the United States <laughs> is <laughs> it? based on like record sales. But um, it's I think that it's mostly caused by the fact that jazz musicians are so brought up to make music for like other jazz musicians in that hmm. they're not or their music is not appealing to the public as they'd like it to be. Hmm. And so what I've been trying to do is I've obviously video game music is like by default appealing to the people who play video games. But sure. I've been trying to incorporate things to make it just a little bit more relatable to those people, especially since I take that. Um, like the video game song that you know, like the arrangement, the structure of the song, and I basically like twist it on its end. I try to put in stuff that'll allow people to grasp on the songs that they know and love. Kind of uh, mirroring the video game industry as a whole, trying to be a little bit more accessible to new audiences as well. Yeah, yeah. So kind of a neat push in that direction. Well, anyways, we will talk more about that later. But for now, it looks like you are bringing in another track. And uh, would you like to introduce that one to us? Oh, yes. This is uh, Shala's theme by Yasunari Mitsuda um, from the Chrono Trigger soundtrack. Um, 
previously I had not listened to Chrono Trigger very much. I've played the game for about five minutes on my phone emulator before I realized that emulating games on your phone is not always the best thing to do because my phone isn't that well isn't that good. But um, this track is just it's it's incredible the way that um all the textures are used and the fact that there's this simple like very simple melody that uses tone like non-chord tones or um very suspended sounds and it creates a very atmospheric feeling Hmm. it's very nice you'll definitely like it shala's theme by yasunori mitsuda Introducing that one, that is from Chrono Trigger. And if you are curious about more Chrono Trigger, then you can listen to Caden and Rince, issue 166, where we talk all up and down about Chrono Trigger. It's, uh, it's quite a fun episode, actually. Now, one of the things that I notice in a lot of your videos that you post up on YouTube mm-hmm. is that you have pages and pages of sheet music written out that you're uh, reading along with. I mean, it's probably easier than trying to memorize the entire complex uh, composition for multiple instruments, but it still must take a very long time to write these all out. How do you go about doing that? So the sheet music for me, it really doesn't take that long. Um, sheet music, making that is about 
perhaps 15 to 20 percent of like the whole process of putting the things together that includes programming drums recording the actual stuff um, mixing and then editing the video um, sheet music for me the, re the reason I use it is because like you said my arrangements are quite complex and so I like to have everything sounding very tight and um, it helps me to just have something I can look at and basically read along with that helps mm -hmm. me um, make sure that I'm playing the right things that I want it to play also, that like my the ideas that I have in songs, I need to capture on a piece of paper. Otherwise, I'll just think of something else to play, and then the arrangement yeah, will yeah. keep changing. <laughs> and I need to have a structure in order to just play it down. Hmm. And uh, you know, structure is very important in jazz music. As as much as people think that a lot of it is just kind of freestyling, like that is the pretty much the most structured mm -hmm. activity that you could possibly hope to. You know, <laughs> without structure, the the freestyling and the um, Improv improvisation kind of breaks apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's very the depth of jazz is much deeper than the common listener thinks it is because mm -hmm. when most people hear improvising, they think, "Oh, I can just play whatever I want." You no, know, you can you can <laughs> play whatever you want, but it probably won't sound good. Although some people play whatever they want and they make it sound good, but I don't know how they do that. So um, just improvising over a set structure or creating randomness out of order is pretty cool. And so how much improvisation do you do in the videos that you post online versus is everything written out and it's exactly how you want it to be beforehand? Most things are pretty much written out completely, except for solos, which I think are pretty easy to tell. Um, mm. Like when I'm, when I'm playing one, because I'm usually like have my eyes closed or something and I'm like, I'm going up and down and really mm -hmm. feeling the music, I guess you could say. But um, a lot of the complex ensemble stuff where I have like multiple instruments playing the same figures at once is definitely written out and all planned. We encourage listeners to, if they like the songs that are being played at the top and bottom of this episode, to go over to your YouTube channel and check them out because they're a lot... Um, it's kind of a richer experience seeing it all take place in front of you. I want to introduce my first track of the show, and that is a, it's a very special track to me. And you know, people that have listened to Sound of Play in the past probably know that I tend to prefer songs that are a little bit more textured and complex. I, I like music just for my own listening that's more kind of like intellectually engaging, that has uh, multiple layers of stuff to be listening to at once and picking apart. But uh, something about this real simple melody from Breath of Fire 4, I want to say it's it stuck out to me. It's been kind of stuck in my head ever since I was a little kid and played this for the <laughs> first time. An RPG that I played with my little brother back in the old, old, old days, back when we were but youngins on the uh, original PlayStation. And something about this song, you heard it a few times throughout the adventure. And so to me, it's always just been that song that has like encapsulated all those kind of quieter moments of the adventure. And it's really kind of brought me back to that real kind of like nostalgic space of, of this game huddling all of my Breath of Fire 4 heroes around the campfire and, you know, talking about the the mini battles throughout the day and quite a somber but inspiring piece. And it, it does kind of pick up a little more as the as the piece goes on through and starts to add a few more layers, but it's, you know, by no means a, a hugely complex piece, but I think it is evocative of the types of emotions that I associated with the game. And so that is Endings and Beginnings by Yoshino Aoki from Breath of Fire 4.
So that is Endings and Beginnings from Breath of Fire 4. That is a PlayStation game from 2000, also released on the PC, which I did not know until researching for this (laughs) issue. All right, Josh, you come to us with a really nice selection yourself. Yes. um, Okay, so the first track I'm bringing to the table is Unknowable uh, Geometry by Jim Guffrey. Uh, And this is from Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP, which we covered on issue 47 of Kanan Rinse. So I picked this track because I associate it with a moment, or more precisely, uh, a few moments in this game. Um, This music plays during the Trigon battles uh, in Sword and Sorcery, and... Um, time and time again on on Sound of Play, I always come back to this idea of visuals and sound design and music kind of working together, uh, you know, being in sync with each other, really combining their efforts uh, and creating something that transcends all the different art forms. And these Trigon battles are that for me. Um, just the way they have choreographed the visuals in time with this music is spine-tingling, uh, spine-tinglingly beautiful. Um, it just, it becomes like, as I say, like this kind of transcendent experience where you feel like you don't really even feel like you're playing a game anymore. It's become like this like otherworldly mm. experience. I know I'm 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 sounding a bit <laughs> ridiculous here, but that's kind of how I I, I felt about these moments. And um it, it really just comes down to the fact that um when I hear this music, I'm just reminded of that that moment. Now, I, I think this piece of music works perfectly fine on its own. I think it's a great piece of music, um, and I hope you enjoy it. But I would suggest that if you haven't played Sword and Sorcery, to experience this and experience this piece of music in context. Because as powerful as it is on its own, within the game it's even more powerful. So uh, here it is, Unknowable Geometry by Jim Guffrey. Thank <laughs> you. 
Wonderful. Thank you for that one. The uh, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP is quite famously a wonderful collaboration between Capybara, the Super Brothers, and Jim Guthrie, you know, as a composer. Uh, it's one of those instances where I really feel like he not only had his thumbprint on the project, but he was an integral part of that team. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the, the game just wouldn't have been the same, as, as you were saying, without his uh, quite masterful weird electronic soundtrack <laughs> it's 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 a strange one but it's uh it, it has some moments of real transcendence and speaking of collaborations i wanted to go back to carlos a little bit and ask a little bit about the uh you have collaborated with uh, multiple other youtube musicians um what is that proce process like so collaboration um on youtube is a way for one to like share viewers amongst yourselves because um we all have like sort of our different little niches in the video game music community over what we do, but everybody likes video game music, or like, all these different people like video game music, and it's always cool to see a person who does the same thing, just a little bit differently, and so collaboration is one way to, to spread that. Um, as for the process of collaboration, um, doing it over the internet is not that difficult. Um, all it requires is just some careful planning and the use of a metronome. I recently hmm. released, um, there's an album that came out called Multiplayer 2 Co-op, which is a charity album where all the proceeds go to the Child's Play charity. On that album, um, I contributed a track, um, an arrangement of Dire Dire Docs from Super Mario 64. That track, I think it was 11 or 12 people that I featured on it. Um, usually I like synthesize a couple instruments, like I synthesize my drums and my bass. But mm -hmm. here we had a complete like jazz fusion ensemble. Um, all played by real people, and I had to um, arrange that whole, the whole like <laughs> seven and a half minute song. And the score was like forty two pages, and you know, it was it was a. I mean, putting it together like took a very long time, and I think it was very worth it. But it was definitely very hard work. And it's it's also really cool to be able to work with people that you've admired the work of over the over the years. Like uh, I know that you did some work with Family Jewels, Seven mm -hmm. X, a little while back, and. Um, some other people you've even released an album with uh, with an ensemble of, of YouTube musicians, if I remember that correctly. Well, I, I released a collaboration album with um, Sad mm -hmm. Irene that was called Weebop, and we just did mm, some, yep. some singing stuff. Um, I haven't released an like, a album with a, like a, a bunch of YouTube musicians as collaborators, okay. because that would okay. be relatively difficult to plan out. Um, it <laughs> sure. might happen in the future, but for now, I'm, gonna, I'm sticking to more of the stuff that I do with myself. Now, I did kind of by happenstance uh, stumble upon a performance that you were in at PAX with the uh, Super Soul Brothers. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. That was that was a fun time. <laughs> now, was that something that, uh, are you a part of that group, or did you just kind of uh, both happen to be in Seattle at the same time? Well, and, uh... la last year I was at PAX, and I, I saw them, mm -hmm. and then um, I happened to have my melodica with me, which is like a keyboard accordion kind mm -hmm. of thing. And I was, I said, Hey, can I play some songs with you? And they were like, sure. So, um, at the mo at the time they only had two keyboardists who were playing songs, but this year, um, they brought their guitarist and their other saxophone player. And so like without me, they were a ensemble of piano guitar. Um, like the piano was playing bass, like split on the synthesized piano, mm -hmm. piano, guitar, saxophone, and then like some drum loops. So um, I went there like I, I went there for two days. The first day I went up to them and said, hey, can I come back tomorrow with my saxophone and play with you guys? And then they said, sure. So I came back the second day with my saxophone and I played with them for like 
about an hour and a half or two hours and we just played some game songs. It was awesome. Really cool how that happened. And, you know, I, I didn't know what was going on. I just happened to be in the right place <laughs> at the right time, just in the corner of the convention hall there. Yeah, but... I'm not actually affiliated with them in any way, but we're just, okay. we're just friends. We do similar things. And so it was fun to play. Sure. And that's uh, part of the magic of collaborative music like that is kind of brings people together. Yeah, jazz is very accepting of collaborations. Hmm. It's a bit like the the genre itself. Um, lots of people know the like this jazz standards. And so you can basically go into a room with several jazz musicians you might not know, and you'll still be able to play something together because yeah, most yeah. people know these songs. It looks like you are also bringing us a track from Earthbound. Oh yeah, um, I actually played this one with the Super Soul Brothers at PAX. Um, the reason how I how I found this track was from them. Even um, I played Earthbound, or I started playing Earthbound a while ago on like on the SNES, and I think this is the first track you really hear inside the game, apart from maybe the title screen. But this song is just so it's so weird. Like it's got. Like a, like a funky groove under it, but it's got some little bleeps and bloops on top that aren't really 8-bit stuff, but it's just kind of, you don't really understand what it is, and then there's a little distant melody in the background, and it's just it just feels really nice. It feels like, I guess you could say it feels like coming home, you know, because it's mm. Earthbound, as you, as one of us said earlier, it's a very, like, homey, homey, homely, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever word that would be, like, com- comforting, <laughs> I guess you could say. A game that makes you feel like you're a kid again. It's kind of quirky but familiar yeah. in that way that you always imagine your uh, your family and your home life to be. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, that is Your Name Please by Hirokazu Tanaka from Earthbound. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you for that. We're going to jump right into my next track. This is another strange, quirky one. <laughs> Judging by the name, it looks quirky already. That's right. Yeah, this is a uh, a track from the wonderful Machinarium soundtrack. That is a strange little point-and-click adventure game that you can play on just about any device you can think <laughs> of. It's been on uh, on PC, of course, as well as the OS X and the Linux, and a number of phones and tablets, and also the uh, PS3 and Vita have had a port of uh, Machinarium. It is a little point-and-click adventure um, where you play as a small robot trying to solve little robot problems. <laughs> um, it's, it, it's quite whimsical and quite... Uh, it's kind of animated in that like Monty Python animation esque type of uh, visual style. Uh, it, it's um, yeah, kind of a strange game. I, I don't really know how to describe it, but if you haven't played it, then at least give it a go. I'm sure that you have it from some sort of humble bundle, or I'm sure they've been giving it away for free <laughs> at some point. It's it's one of those that you can find on sale for pennies very often. But uh, this is a particular track called "Mr. Handigoat" by Thomas Dvorak. It's a really nice and a representation of just the strange kind of like biomechanical feeling of this game's music that it, it doesn't sound entirely inhuman, but at the same time, (laughs) it doesn't sound like it it doesn't sound familiar enough to, to form that kind of real, I guess, oral kinship with. (laughs) And so it's uh yeah, just a a strange piece, but it's intriguing throughout. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it kind of speaks for the entire soundtrack is that there's, always new things to notice and there's always weird little sci-fi noises that are played throughout and um i don't know it's just a richly textured soundtrack to go with a a richly textured game so this is mr handigoat by thomas dvorak from machinarium
<laughs> Never heard of right, that before. That is a, is a weird little song, that. All right, Josh, why don't you uh, bring us back into the world of Snake Eater? Okay, yes. Um, so my next track is called The Virtuous Mission uh, by ha- Harry Gregson Williams, uh, who's pretty much been the composer for every single Metal Gear Solid game. Um, I, I believe he's the composer for Phantom Pain. I think Keith or Severlin replaced him, actually, on the uh, composing okay. duties, you know. Ah, uh, oh well. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, I picked this track from Metal Gear Solid 3 uh, Snake Eater because recently I've been playing Metal Gear Solid 5 and, and really enjoying it. But um, as a lot of people have noted, it's kind of um, less... What's the word? Theatrical than a lot of the uh, previous uh, Metal Gears. It's toned down. It's toned down the ridiculousness. It's kind of pulled back from the uh, hour-long cutscenes and all of that, <laughs> which I'm sure makes it probably the most accessible entry in the mm-hmm. series for uh, newcomers who've never played Metal Gear. And I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that it's bringing uh, people to the series. But a part of me misses just kind of the the commitment to a theme mm. to the point of absolute ridiculousness. <laughs> and what one thing that uh, Metal Gear Solid Three, the whole soundtrack does, is really commit to that sixties spy theme <laughs> all the way through it. We've already had the. Um, the Snake Eater uh, opening credits uh, theme on Sound of Play, which is so cheesy that you can't help but fall in love with it. I, I, it's just, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a ridiculous bomb parody, but arguably it, it's better than a lot of the more recent ones. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I picked uh, Virtuous Mission, which is the music that plays over the... Um, kind of the opening where the plane is just coming in and uh, and Snake's about to make his uh, halo jump. And I, I just love the way that this track slowly builds. It's very quiet to begin with, and it's just slowly building that atmosphere. And then it explodes, and the music is fantastic, and it really gets across that kind of James Bond feeling of going on an adventure and and uh, diving off of, uh, of airplanes or, or what have you. It, it just, it so perfectly evokes what the game is trying to convey. Uh, so yes, this is Virtuous Mission by Harry Gregson Williams.
Excellent. That is Virtuous Mission by Harry Gregson Williams from Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. If you want to learn more about that, and we have talked at length about Metal Gear Solid 3 in issue 39 of the Kane and Rinse podcast. And uh, kind of around that, uh, the thereabouts of the numbers, we've talked about the entire Metal Gear, um, Metal Gear series up to that point, uh, including the first two, Metal Gear 1 and 2. And that is uh, up until 4 at that point. So no Phantom Pain or Ground Zeroes just yet, but I'm sure we'll get around to that at some point once we have a little bit more time to kind of process everything that's happened in that game, which might be a ways off still. We're on to our eighth track already. Uh, Carlos, you're bringing us uh, another Totaka piece. Mm, yes. This is KK Cruisin by, as you said, Totaka from Animal Crossing. I wasn't really sure if this was on the GameCube edition, and I think it is. Um, mm, KK, pretty sure. KK Cruisin is like the KK song. It's <laughs> There are countless versions of people rapping over it on YouTube. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to say any of them are very good or anything. But that song is just, it's so groovy and it's like made for jazz musicians like me to do a version of it. I did a version of it a long time ago, but this is one of those songs that's like so close to me in a way that I need to like have the proper build up in order to do justice to it. The KK Slider songs are a little wacky. They have that strange, like almost kind of off-putting sound to his voice. The deep uh, the and it's like such a, a weird uh, thing to layer into a song. But you know, once you kind of get used to the noise, and like once you kind of become familiar with the character, especially they become quite wonderful to the point in which I've seen um, you know people using those same kinds of sound yeah, fonts yeah. to cover like actual like you know daft punk songs and whatnot <laughs> it's it's quite funny yeah yeah I, I like the uh the, so there's the air check versions and then the acoustic mm-hmm. versions um right. different songs i like the i like the acoustic more um different songs mm-hmm. i like the air check more i like for this one in particular um you, you guys will be hearing the acoustic version but in the air check version there's a part where it sounds like K.K. Slider just sneezes really loudly in the middle of the song. <laughs> and it's either he's sneezing or, like, throwing up or something. But I always found that just really weird. But then it goes back into, like, the really, uh, almost maybe, almost noir. Um, like a hmm. funky noir kind of thing, you could kind of, you could call it. Which might be a total contradiction if I'm if I'm calling it that genre. <laughs> and that classical era of 30s jazz. Yeah. But anyway, uh, this is K.K. Cruisin' by Kazumi Tutaka. Manable Crossing. Now, <laughs> 
have discussed Animal Crossing in issue 74 of Kane and Rince. It's the second Animal Crossing track today. That is, a, that is a good thing, I will say. All right, and the final track on the show, we're going to be playing Mount Coronet, another cover by Insane in the Rain Music, our guest today. Uh, this one is a cover of the Pokemon um, Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum soundtrack, originally composed by Go Ichinose. And, um, you know, when I was playing through the Pokemon games, the music, other than a few like real absolute standout tracks, didn't didn't uh, um, stick with me as much as a lot of other game series did. But I, I think that is uh, kind of my fault because the Pokemon games are some of the only, uh, certainly the first game soundtracks that Nintendo published on iTunes or iMusic or whatever mm-hmm. Apple's mm-hmm. calling that disaster of a piece of software these days. <laughs> but um, Taking some shots, and so they had the faith in it to to sell this to the the public market, and uh, you know apparently it did pretty well for them. So um, you know I might have to go back and really pay more attention to the Pokemon music, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like this cover a lot. A lot of it is very piano driven, which is uh, your your big thing. Is the uh, saxophone is kind of your your mainstay instrument? But I mean, it's my logo, um, so I can't really do anything. Without certainly, it. yeah. It's neat to hear something a little bit uh, a little bit moodier. Uh, this one has uh, uh, quite a kind of a minor key and unpredictable drive to it. So I think everyone will really like that one. That is Mount Coronet cover by Insane in the Rain Music. But before we do that, as you've heard once again, it's not just about what we like. So if you venture over to our forum at canonrinse.com, you can request your favorites, and we'll continue to include a selection of those in the playlist for each show. But um, before we sign off, uh, we wanted to ask Carlos, would you like to uh, plug your channel once more? Insane Lorraine music, that's all you need. If you like it, subscribe. If you don't like it, that's, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I will uh, recommend people go over there and at least check it out because there's, uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff over there. Carlos works very hard to bring you some um, really excellent and uh, quite transformative covers uh, from week to week. So uh, give it a look. I don't think that you'll be disappointed if you've made it this far into the show. I think that you will uh, <laughs> like his, his music a lot. We'd like to encourage you to uh, please leave Sound of Play in iTunes review. And don't tell iTunes how rude we were to them earlier. It's probably not good to be burning that bridge just yet. But before we hear this last track, I'd like to thank Josh and Carlos for joining us today. And we would like to invite you to join us in uh, two weeks from now with Sound of Play 26. All right. Thank you. And uh, good night. This is Mount Coronet. (laughs) 